Hello, everyone. My name is May, and it's great to be here with you all this morning. Good to see you all on this lovely sunny weekend. Um, this month, we are in a preaching series on worship, and so that's what we are going to be continuing to explore this morning, primarily looking at some of the worship that we do when we come together, gather together, and call ourselves church. So we've done a little bit of it already this morning. We're going to continue to do some more, and Instead of just assuming that we all know exactly what is going on from the moment when that first chord plays or that we're all living 100% jubilously joyous worshipful lives 100% of the time. We want to dig deeper into what it means, what it really means when we come together as a church and worship. And last week, Lindsay asked us, do you come expectant for God to reveal himself to you? We were looking at how we encounter God, how when we come here, he reveals himself to us and we can respond to that. Do you come expectant for God to reveal himself to you? Well, this week, I want to continue that and ask us a slightly different question. I want to ask all of you, what does it look like for you not to care what anyone else thinks except God? What does it look like for you not to care what anyone else thinks except God? And today we're looking at the story of David in the Old Testament, which some of you I'm sure will be familiar with, but his life reveals to us what worship looks like when it is a space of unreserved adoration. David was one of the great kings of Israel and he was chosen by God and he led this remarkable life. And the passage we're reading from today is 2 Samuel 6, 12 to 22. But let me explain a little bit of background before we jump into it. So we're going to hear about something called the Ark of God. The Ark was an incredibly holy chest that contained the Ten Commandments of God that God had given to Moses some 500 years earlier. And this chest was not currently residing in the city of David. So when David became king, he wanted to move the Ark but the first time they tried, they didn't move it according to the instructions that God had set out for the Israelites. And so someone died as a result. Now, this freaked out David, which is fair enough, to be honest. And so he sort of just said, well, what am I going to do? And left the chest just in some random guy's house called Obed-Edom while he figured out what he was going to do as a result. So Obed-Edom, this guy, then had like an incredible couple of months because basically everything that happened to him became amazing and he became incredibly blessed because he had the Ark of God just chilling in his house with him. So David heard about that, got pretty jealous and was like, I think we want it back actually. So that's where we're picking up from in the passage today. So this is 2 Samuel 6, 12 to 22, if you want to find it in your Bibles or read it along on the screen. And we're reading from 12. Now King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. 
when those who were carrying the ark of God had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. After he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins to each person in the whole crowd of Israelites, both men and women, and all the people went to their homes. When David returned home to bless his household, Michal, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. David said to Michal, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. So I'm just going to pray for us now. God, we pray that we would know your presence with us today, with us now, as we explore what this passage, what your word, your living word has for us to say to us this morning. Would you just open our hearts, open our minds to receive from you. In your name, Jesus. Amen. How do all of you like to celebrate? Now, I'm a really big fan of a good birthday party, particularly when it is my own, because I just love that attention. And I have to say, one of the best moments of birthday times that I have ever had was my 21st birthday where I was actually um, with some of the other students when I was a student here and we were in Ibiza together with a Christian organization because yeah, I'm cool like that. Um, and this was a brilliant timing because the one night that was our night off from all the volunteering and things we were doing um, happened to be the uh, night leading into my birthday. And so we went to this outdoor kind of festival venue by the Hard Rock Hotel and went to this 80s kind of club night and it was just incredible and the best thing about it um, and if you're if you like an early bedtime you'll love this this club night finished at midnight what a nice respectable time for something in Ibiza to finish but we went along and um, because the night finished at midnight which was when it turned into my birthday they had this huge countdown on the screen for it and I was like shouldn't have just just for me um, and so as this crowd full of people started screaming down the 60 second countdown to my birthday 
my friends lifted me in the air and I began to crowd surf between the total of my eight friends, no further than that. And as we did the countdown and with five, four, three, two, one, these huge cannons of streamers just burst out and rained down on me as my friends started screaming happy birthday, which immediately caught on with the crowd around. And I was in the air with these streamers coming down on me like, this is it. <laughs> this is what it's like to be 21. Um, and I have to say, just there has never been a better moment of celebration for me than that. It was fantastic. So you might not all be as extra as I am, but in our own different styles and in our own different ways, it's great to celebrate, isn't it? It's great to be celebrated. It's great to celebrate other people. And it's just something that clicks within all of us. So I love that it seems like David's journey on that day as he was bringing the ark into the city seemed like the outdoor worship festival to end all outdoor worship festivals. It sounds great. They were rejoicing, cheering, making loud music, dancing, shouting. All the people were there. It sounds great. And perhaps the most unusual thing um, would have been that they stopped every six steps to sacrifice a bull and a calf, which I don't know exactly how far away these two places were, but even if you were just trying to get from Toll Cross to Leith and stopping every six steps, you would not be home in time for dinner. So I, that was a lot to do. So why this level of fuss? Well, as I said before, the ark is more than just a nice chest. With the ark, God's word and God's presence were returning to God's people. And that was incredibly significant. And their natural response to that was worship. And their worship was a masterclass in celebration. Celebration was front and center of David's attitude as he led the people. And it erupted out of a deep joy at the truth and the incredible fact of the return of God's presence. And it wasn't just a momentary cheer, it was sustained throughout this long, drawn-out process. However, I do wonder whether David had to battle with other emotions in order to let joy be the front and center thing that day. Because if we think about the background to this day, if we think about the context, I wonder that he, did, he was probably worried that something else could happen again, someone else could die again if it went wrong. I wonder if that led to quite a bit of fear and he thought, well, he's not been king that long at this point, what are people going to think of his leadership? I don't know whether he felt regret or frustration around it going wrong the first time it happened. And I do wonder if we felt a little bit of jealousy towards Obed-Edom as well. And of course, we can't know. We can't know exactly how he felt. But us humans are pretty complicated characters. And so I'd be amazed if all he felt that day was joy. But what we can see from the passage is that joy is the thing he chose to lean into. And I think that's important for us to remember too because I'm talking about celebration today but it can be all too easy for us to look at someone across the room as we're worshipping semi in the round this morning and think well of course they're finding it easy but actually I find this really hard or I don't feel like it or I've had a rubbish week. It's easy for us to look at someone else and think that well they must just be feeling joy. 
But that's not what you see in David's life. And we see in his life in lots of other parts of scripture that actually he was very well acquainted with lament. (laughs) There is plenty of space for all our emotions. God's not scared of all our emotions. But that's why I think it's helpful actually in this passage that sacrifice goes hand in hand with worship. And we might think that's a bit weird or sounds a bit weird, but God's not asking us today to offer some bulls and some calves. Fortunately, Jesus, the lamb, is our sacrifice. That is what we need. But their sacrifice came out of a place of great humility and endowed incredible honor on God. And it would have been costly, wasteful even, to have sacrificed that much livestock. But through that act, they were declaring this This is how much we value you, God. And through different means, we can do the same thing. So there'll be things, I'm sure, in many of our lives that we will have had to have laid down in order to follow Jesus. Or there'll be things that we're still needing to figure out, questions we're still wrestling with. But rather than those things preventing us from worshipping, those are exactly the things that we can bring into this space, bring into this time as part of our sacrifice as we come to God in worship. David and the Israelites gave their sacrifices with joy and were a people of celebration. And I'd really like it if that was how the church was known too. Because the thing that sets us apart as Christians, the thing that we should be known for is while we experience all the same highs and lows of life as anyone else does, we have this hope. As we were singing earlier, we have this hope in a God who created us, who knows us, who loves us, who wants to make all things new, who wants to be with us. And I reckon that's something worth celebrating, don't you? We should be known as a people who celebrate. And I love this quote. This is something that St. Augustine once wrote. A Christian should be an alleluia from head to foot. And this is absolutely true of David in this passage as he shouts and dances in front of the people. And the two Hebrew words used to describe David dancing as he brings the ark home literally mean whirling around and leaping. Make no mistake here, David was busting a move, like he was going all out. Now, I know that many of us would rather that the ground swallowed us whole than bust a move here at church today. And I understand that, that's okay. But I I remember the first time when I raised a hand in worship. Does anyone else distinctly remember the first time they did that? I was a teenager and... Only one of my other friends had been brave enough to do it. So I just thought, I've seen grown-ups do this. I think I get why people do this, but I'm terrified. And so there was a moment in worship where I was like, I'm going to do it. This is the day. This is the moment. I'm going to do it. And as I raised my hand, it felt like lead, like my arm suddenly weighed so much and I raised it up and I was like, how big are my sweatpits? Like, can everybody see this? I felt people's eyes burrowing into me, got it up and I put it back down again two seconds later, but I'd done it. I'd broken the barrier and it was amazing. It was great because from then on I could, from then on I could do it. And now I'm totally different from that. I move around a lot in worship because I find that engaging my body helps me engage my heart, 
helps me engage my mind. It helps me to live out that incredible, beautiful command that Jesus gives us to love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Now, it might shock you to hear that I'm not constantly lifting weights in the gym. So if I was to take this command very literally, I wouldn't be able to worship God with a lot of strength. But I do think that it's really important for all of us to consider what that actually looks like for us to worship God with all our strength. One of my favorite things about the morning gathering is that when we do our action songs, the people responding to these action songs is 90% grown-ups and 10% children. We see it, we know that, we're doing the actions for ourselves, so I know you guys can move. Richard Foster writes in his book, The Celebration of Discipline, that the Bible describes worship in physical terms. The root meaning for the Hebrew word we translate as worship is to prostrate. The word bless literally means to kneel. Thanksgiving refers to an extension of the hand. Throughout scripture, we find a variety of physical postures in connection with worship. Lying prostrate, standing, kneeling, lifting the hands, clapping the hands, lifting the head, bowing the head, dancing, wearing sackcloth and ashes. The point is that we are to offer God our bodies as well as the rest of our being. Worship is appropriately physical. I'm not saying that worship should be about us putting anything on or comparing ourselves to other people, doing things that seem totally unnatural to us. But I more want to ask us, what does it look like when you are truly singing in adoration? If you love football and in the context of a football match where your team's playing really well, you would sing your team song. Is that what they're called? You know, like those things that football fans sing. If I've seen it on the telly, okay, I know how much people go for it. And what about indifferent if that's not you, because it's quite obviously not me? Um, what if your favorite song comes on the radio? You're at a concert, you're at a party, and you hear a song that you love. Do you just sit there and go, this is nice? Maybe you do. Or do you get up? Do you celebrate? Do you sing along? If the only reason that we don't fully express our adoration on a Sunday is because we're not used to it in this context, that's something we need to examine. We need to ask ourselves that question. What does it look like for you to not care what anyone thinks except God? If you're here today and you wouldn't, or you're not sure if you would call yourself a Christian, then coming along may already be of enough of an answer to that question. And that is more than okay. But for those of us who know God's presence and have his word with us constantly, how will we respond the overflow of David's own response was blessing, which figures because you can't put a lid on joy. David blessed the people and he blessed his household. And what I love about this is that it demonstrates this enculturation of God's ways in his life because God loves to bless his people. The overflow of worship is always blessing. 
Some of you will remember in May 2020 how a song called The Blessing went viral and it was kind of this YouTube video montage of all of these different uh, worship leaders from different churches across the UK singing this song over us, over our people. And it was on play, it was on repeat every day in my household for about three months until Pam Lyle finally had her fill of it. But we loved it. And the choice of song was so significant. It was so profound because it was, it was the first time in any of our lives in Britain where we weren't free to go and worship in churches. And what was the thing we were hungry for? It was blessing. The blessing of being able to worship together. The blessing of God's presence with us as a gathered church. We receive blessing when we worship and we can also bless others. A heart transformed by God is a blessing waiting to happen. Because the more time we spend with him, the more he's going to rub off on us a little bit. The more we're going to get a little bit more loving, a little bit more graceful, a a little bit more forgiving and kind. When we choose to celebrate together, when we bring our sacrifices to him, we're not just physically present, we're fully showing up. We're able to worship God with our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength. And this is what it looks like to give our unreserved adoration to God. But there is one individual in this passage who chose to reserve herself, who did not go with the king to the return of the ark. Michal, David's wife, comes out of their home at the end of this full day of celebration to mock him. Now, to give you some context, there was a time when David and Michal were very much in love, when David was younger and was often at odds with Saul, who was king then. He was best friends with Saul's son, Jonathan, and madly in love with Saul's daughter, Michal. But we are fast forwarding a few years now to this current point in time where relations are clearly a lot more strained. Mahal sees David worshipping and judges him, being more concerned with reputation and status among people than what God might think. So she says to him, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. Mahal called him half naked because he was wearing this thing called a linen ephod. A linen ephod was a piece of clothing that a priest would wear. So David was wearing his priestly robes, not his kingly robes. He was submitting to God with what he wore and shedding his identity as king for the sake of worshipping the true king. It was an act filled with as much humility as joy. And yet he got this response, this mocking response. When we step out as Christians and worship unashamedly, we should expect to come up against some opposition. Quite frankly, we should expect people to just think that we're a bit weird. And people have thought I'm a bit weird my whole life, so I'm pretty okay with that. But if you have managed to get along this far without that, then welcome to the weird club. We're so happy to have you. We can see in David's response to Michal that he liked the weird club because his worth wasn't coming from what other people thought of him, not even his wife. 
So he says to her, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone else in his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people, Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in their honor. David's response is incredibly Christ-like. He didn't rest on any laurels, but he remembered who it was who called him to be king in the first place. Because Jesus taught his disciples that in his kingdom, the first will be last and the last will be first. He wasn't interested in impressing the people that we'd so often want to impress the most. The God who created every single one of us and knows every single hair on our heads isn't going to be wowed or wooed by the things that other people might be. David knew this, so he wasn't scared of being humiliated. And crucially, no one suffered more humiliation than Christ. God allowed himself to be mocked laugh at, slapped, given derogatory names and titles, dressed up, tortured, stripped bare, and ultimately executed with criminals. It wasn't the religious officials or the Roman elite who held Jesus in honor. It was the fishermen, the widows, the disabled, the sex workers, and so on. What king is interested in the honor of slave girls? Jesus is. When we worship, it's not about us first, it's about us last. When we come together, we lift up our voices to declare that I'm not the most important person in my life. Jesus is. That's not the line that culture is selling us right now, but it is our liberating truth. Thank God that God is on the throne. I'm not on the throne of my own life. So with that being the case, let's stop caring what anyone else thinks apart from God when it comes to us worshipping him. Let's lean into joy as we celebrate the presence of our creator and sustainer who loves you, who is with you, and who is wanting to meet with us right now. So I'm going to pray and the band are going to come up and we're going to respond in worship, of course, what else? So why don't we all stand now as we pray? God, thank you. Thank you that your love has got a hold of each of us like we were singing earlier. We want to praise you. We want to give you thanks. We want to give you glory. We want to declare that you are good. God, I pray for the people in this room with me right now and for the people watching this online. God, I just pray that whatever it is that could ever possibly be a barrier to worshipping you, God, would you just gently come and show us how to bring that humbly before you, how to lay it down in order that we can celebrate you with such joy, such freedom today in your spirit. Would you come, God? Would you come? Amen.